Uh, it's good to be together here for Christmas Eve, and uh, if this is one, seriously, if this is one of your first times here, uh, I know it can be a big deal to come to a church for the first time, and I just want to thank you for joining us in the room uh, here, and I hope you have a great experience with us, and that uh, you catch a glimpse of Jesus as we gather together online. Thanks for joining us in this way, too, Paul and Gail. Uh, Gail, I hope you feel better, and I'm glad that you could be together and join us in this way as well uh, for Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't know what you were doing on Friday afternoon, but I, along with about 90% of St. Croix Valley, was out shopping. And uh, it was crazy out there, uh, getting some last-minute gifts taken care of and also some last-minute supplies for some feasting and celebrations that we're going to be doing as a family in the next couple days. And uh, one of the things, though, uh, even though it was crazy out there and I was worried at times, like, am I going to run out? Are they going to run out of the stuff I'm looking for? Uh, I do love shopping at this time of the season because, you know, everywhere you go, it feels like you're in the midst of, you've, you've got this soundtrack that's being played wherever you go, right? There's all kinds of Christmas songs that have been playing. You go into one store and you hark to hear angels sing. You go in the other one, you hear the carol, the bells, and it's just, you, you, it feels like you're living in this soundtrack in a movie. I've got to be careful, though, quite frankly, if I hear Carol the Bells a little bit too often, I start to think that I'm Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, and I need to get home and protect my family from the wet bandits. I don't know if you experience that or not, but I do. One of the beauties of this time of year is that we do have these songs that are playing of great, powerful messages and good news. Now, of course, there's hippos and reindeer sprinkled in there along the way, but announcing songs over the loudspeakers in the midst of Target are announcing amazing news. It's a beautiful thing. There's also a little bit of a danger with it, though, with having so much good news being announced to us all the time while we're doing the mundane things that we're doing or while we're trying to get the things off of our to-do list or while we're trying to get our shopping done and so we can start to drown out we can start to drown out the amazing news that is around us because we're focused on the things that we're here to do i don't know about you but i've never really been tempted to hail the newborn king in the middle of an aisle of walmart why well, because I'm focused on something else. I'm hearing the music, but there's something else that has my attention. What we want to do here tonight is just carve out a little bit of space to sing a little bit about the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus, but also take a few moments to behold Jesus together, to behold him together. See, it's easy to miss what God has done and is doing around us. It's easy to miss because he's humble. He doesn't really draw a lot of attention to himself. It wasn't, it's not just a, a modern problem that we have. It's actually something that was going on in the first century as well when Jesus' birth was being announced. It was easy to be distracted by the good things, the amazing things around them, and miss the message of what God was doing. For example, there was a, a key word in all the passages that have been read so far this evening, and it was behold. The shepherds are watching their flocks at night, and we read, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock at night, and, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But that wasn't the point. The angel said something really important. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, but behold, 
I bring you good news of great joy that there will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They could get distracted and filled with fear. Understandably, angels are showing up. They don't do that that often. And miss, though, the most important part, which is, behold, God's doing something in Bethlehem. Joseph, or Mary, heard this as well. Again, she was startled by an angel. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And the name Jesus means our Lord saves. Mary, don't, don't be startled. Don't be distracted by the angel. Don't be distracted by me, the angel saying. Look, because if you do, you're going to miss the most important piece, which is God's doing something in you. Joseph was visited by an angel as well as he was considering all these things that he heard about what was going on with his fiance Mary and how he, she was pregnant with a child that wasn't his and what did that mean and what what should he do an angel of the lord appeared to him in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1 and Joseph and, and, and said Joseph son of David do not do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for you will save his people from their sins and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophets. Behold, pay attention to this. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We want to behold here tonight. And to really behold what God is doing takes God to work in us. It's not just something that we can do on our own. God needs to work in us. And so as we, before we continue on, I just want to invite God to do something here tonight to help us behold Jesus together. Would you join me in praying? Just close your eyes and bow your head. I'll do the praying. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do something that only you can do in this moment as we're gathered together. We've been singing about the glory of Jesus and the an honor to our Father. And Holy Spirit, I ask that in this moment and in our hearts, wherever we are, whatever we've been going through today, whatever is most, most um, in the front of our minds about our lives, that you would help us to behold Jesus together. In his name, for his glory, for our good. Please do that. Amen. So I just want to ask that we would behold two things. We want to behold something about Jesus' person. I'll unpack that a little bit. And then behold something about Jesus' work. My, or my, our, my wife and I's, our oldest son, Levi, started reading a series of detective novels a couple years ago. And it's the Lord Peter Whimsey uh, detective series. It was a series probably about 15 books long, and I don't remember, maybe he's like on book 10, I don't remember how far he's gotten. But the series was written by a woman named Dorothy Sayers, and Dorothy Sayers was the first uh, woman to graduate from Oxford University, and she was friends with other authors like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. She was part of what was called the, the Inklings, and she wrote the series, and the series was so good and so popular that the BBC picked it up and made a television series out of it. Well, you know, fans of the Peter Whimsey series started to notice something peculiar about a character 
in the series. About halfway through, about book eight, seven or eight, right around there, a character, a female character, shows up named Harriet Vane. And Harriet Vane uh, is first, you know, she, she, she doesn't, you know, she isn't all that interested in Peter Whimsey, but eventually, eventually, as the series goes on, she and Peter fall in love with one another, and they become best friends, and his loneliness is, uh, is taken care of, and she helps him. She's a sort of healthy in, in many ways, and she helps him become more whole and healthy as an individual, at least as a character in the storyline. And they solve mysteries together. Now, you've been sitting there going, Wait, what's so peculiar about that? That's like almost every Hallmark movie, right? Well, what's peculiar about that is Harriet Vane is described in the series as being the first woman who graduated from Oxford University. And she was also, Harriet Vane in the storyline, was also a writer of detective novels. And what fans of the series started to realize is that, wait a second here, they were connecting the dots. Dorothy Sayers wrote herself into the storyline. She wrote herself into the story because she looked into the world that she created. She looked into the world that she created and she looked into the heart of her main character that she, and she basically fell in love with him. And she knew that she was the only one that was able to heal him, and so she wrote herself into the story to bring healing into his life. Now, it sounds a little strange to talk that way about an author writing themselves into the story, but where did Dorothy Dorothy Sayers learn this from? She was a Christian, and she learned it from God. Because at Christmas time, what we celebrate and what we remember, celebrate is even too light of a word, it seems to me. But what we should be doing at Christmas time, we're remembering and taking in that God has done something utterly unique. He has written himself into the story of his world. In 1961, the Russians sent people into outer space. And in response to that, Khrushchev said, announced, he's reported to have said, that we sent somebody into space and we didn't find God and we've proven that he's not there. But that's a massive category mistake. We can't find God spatially by trying to go up into the heavens to find him. The universe is expanding. The only way that we can actually know God, know him really, is he has to write himself into the story, and that's exactly what he's done. God of very God, the Son of God, Jesus, has written himself into the story, your story, my story, the author, the creator of everything, the one who holds all things together, the one who held everything together while Mary was holding the baby at her breast, entered into our story with you and me. Behold, our creator has become one of us. He's become like you and me. He's become like you and me so that he can show us what he's really like because our views of what God is really like are so far from the mark. One of the things that sets Christianity apart from all the different religions, as far as I can tell, is all the other religions start out with some religious figure who says, I know the way back to God, follow me, and we'll make our way back to him. Christianity begins with somebody who says, I'm actually God who's come to get you. I'm God who's come to get you. Now, Jesus came into the world, and he wrote himself into the storyline. He became one of us, a full-fledged human being, while also being God at the same time. Don't know how that works. 
He did it to show us what God is really like, what his heart is really like, but he also did it so that you and I would know that he knows what it's like to be us. He did it so that you and I would know that he knows what it's like to be us. Jesus experienced all the difficulties and all the frustrations and all the frailties of being a human being. Jesus wrote himself into the story and he wrote himself into the brokenness to endure the brokenness with us. He didn't keep himself removed from it and sanitized from it. He wrote himself into it. And he chose to. He chose to out of love for you and me. Now, I don't know know about you, but I've had this conversation with many people, and I've heard this said, I have announced it as well, and it happens especially when I'm in the midst of difficulty or some kind of struggle, I will say that no one knows what it's like to be me. No one knows what it's like. I've heard that many, many times. You don't know what it's like to be me. And it's hard to receive advice. It's hard to receive comfort from other people when we don't believe that they know what it's like to be us. But one of the amazing things about Christmas is that God has written himself into the story in such a way that he knows exactly what it's like to be you and me. If you go back to the Gospels and not just read the beginning parts like we're doing here tonight, and you look at the things that Jesus endured as a human being from other human beings, we start to get a picture that he knows exactly what it's like to be us. He was homeless for a time. And these are, there's references, I can give you references to all the gospel sections here for these things. He was homeless at times. His family thought he was crazy at times. Remember that in the next couple days when you're with family, right? His family thought he was crazy. His best friends turned their back on him. Have you ever had somebody close the door on you and not relate to you anymore? One of his closest confidants sold him to be killed for pocket change. You ever had a coworker do something to you that set you back and they were able to go ahead in the company? Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus wept and mourned at the death of one of his best friends named Lazarus. He knows what it's like to lose loved ones. Are you grieving this Christmas? Jesus knows exactly what it's like. He endured gossip and slander. He was publicly shamed. He endured periods of hunger. He received unjust and harsh criticism from people who didn't understand him. And these are just some of the things. You can keep looking and keep reading. We just sang joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's weird grammar. We tend to think, you know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But Isaac Watts was very intentional when he wrote that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, because Jesus has come, but he's never fully left. He's right here with us. When we say yes to Jesus and we follow him, his Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and his very presence is in you and me. So that you and I can know that we know that he knows what it's like to be us 
and we can trust that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we experience, no matter what kinds of glories, no matter what kinds of pains you and I experience, he knows exactly how to lead and guide, direct, comfort, show love, give power and grace to you and to me because he knows exactly what's going on in our lives. And God knows exactly what's going on in our lives, not just as someone who is omniscient and just knows everything, but as someone who knows it from the inside. One of the hardest things for me to believe, quite frankly, and I've been walking with Jesus for a really long time, is that he's with me all the time and I'm never alone. Because there are times when I tell myself that I'm alone and nobody gets me. And Jesus says, Christmas says, the God of the universe knows what it's like. And he is with me, he is with you. He will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he will never abandon you, he will always walk with you. Now maybe right now you're sitting there going, oh, that's, that's good news, Tim, that's a nice little story, but you know, it sounds about as plausible as an elf who wants to be a dentist or an abominable snowman. If that's you, I'm glad that you're asking really hard questions and really important questions about, is this really true? Because it could be just nice and sentimental, you know, something to get you through difficulties in life. Oh yeah, God's gonna be there for you. You're wondering, is it really true? If that's you here tonight, I wanna invite you to do one thing, to grab this card that's in front of you and the seats in front of you next to the candles that will light in a little bit. Don't light the card, <laughs> but take the card home with you. It's got a QR code on it. And this is an invitation for you to consider being a part of a course that we offer here called Christianity Explored. The angel, or the shepherds, when they heard the angels say, behold, this is what's happening in Bethlehem, they said something really important. They said, let's go and look at this for ourselves. What Christianity Explored is a seven-week course will feed you an amazingly good meal, and you will be able to look at Jesus yourself and bring all the questions you might have. Virgin birth, angels, really? And let's look at Jesus himself together. You can register through that QR code, but also, I also want to ask you, there's a video there of an interview that I had with a friend of mine. A few weeks ago, I sat down with a friend of mine named Casey, and he went through Christianity Explored, and he came into Christianity Explored with a lot of questions. Virgin birth, worldwide flood, angels, all kinds of questions. And as you watch his story and you watch the interview you'll see that as his questions started to get answered it wasn't just cognitively something that was going on in him he actually met jesus and jesus became real to him and it became a true story to him because it is a true story watch the interview sign up for the course we'd love to have you now, when I was a young boy, when I was a young boy, this is like late 70s, early 80s. I'm 52, almost, do the math. Uh, this was a time of life when parents and grandparents just told kids, go run around the neighborhood, come back at dark, right? 
And we survived, it was okay, sort of. But this is probably not a reason to do this uh, because I was at my grandparents' house and they said, yep, go play, go run around the neighborhood and uh, see you back at dark. Well, I was hanging out with my best friend Johnny and I won't tell you his last name so that he can remain innocent in this whole thing. But Johnny and I were running around the neighborhood like we always did, but this day we decided to go on a neighbor's property that we knew we didn't have access to. We didn't actually have permission to go into their property. They were sort of new in the neighborhood. We didn't know them very well. My grandparents didn't know them very well. And so we were trespassing. We were young enough we wouldn't have used that word, but we knew we were doing something wrong, and it was exciting. It was adventurous. We were hoping we weren't going to get caught, but also wondering, like, oh, will we get caught? I mean, there's excitement in doing something wrong, right? So we were on the, neighbor, on the neighbor's property where we were walking around. We were sneaking up next to the house, and we knew that they weren't there. And as we were sneaking next to the house, we looked into their basement window. It wasn't egress. This is the 70s and 80s, right? We looked into the basement window and saw a couch and, a, and carpet, and it was well taken care of, and the people weren't home, and the TV was there, and it's like, oh, they spend a lot of time there. A nice, welcoming kind of place. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the adrenaline or just being a dumb kid. I just don't know, but kids don't do this. It's a bad idea. But I had this idea to just go, I wonder what would happen if I picked up this rock and threw it at the window. And so I looked at Johnny, and I looked at the rock, and I looked at the window, and I picked it up. And before he could do anything, I picked it up, and I threw it at the window. And of course, a miracle happened. It didn't break. No, actually, that didn't happen. The rock went right through the window, shattered the whole thing. The rock fell on the couch, and glass was everywhere, and I did what every good kid does. I said, let's get out of here. <laughs> and so I took off, and John and I spent the rest of the day sort of playing, pretending that we didn't do anything wrong and that nothing really happened and hoping that nobody would figure it out. Well, eventually, the neighbor called my grandparents. And I was, I think I was in the garage and Johnny had gone home, but I wasn't going to the house. I did not want anybody to find out what I'd done, right? And my grandfather came looking for me. And I loved my grandfather a great deal. And my grandfather started to ask me some questions. Were you over at the neighbor's house today? And in that moment, I started to tremble. If I tell him yes, what's he going to do to me? Is he going to stop loving me? I've never done anything like this before. I don't know what he's going to, how he's going to respond. There's no way I can fix this window. And by God's grace, I said, yes, I was over at the neighbor's house. He said, did you or Johnny break the window? And thankfully, I didn't pass it off on Johnny. I said, I broke the window. And in that moment, my grandfather did something that I am so glad that he did because he was teaching me the categories to understand Jesus. Is that he said, I love you. I forgive you. You need to go tell the neighbor what you have done, but I'll take care of everything. Now, as a little kid, I don't have money. I don't have the energy or the strength or the know-how to get a job to pay for the debt that I owe for breaking this window, my grandfather took everything, took care of everything, out of love for me and care for me. And in that moment, what I did, what I learned about Jesus and my grandfather is that my grandfather took responsibility for my sin, and he fixed it. 
And there was time that went on as Jesus grew, was growing up. He was looking like everybody else, and one day his cousin saw Jesus walking by. Jesus' cousin saw Jesus walking by, and he said, look, behold, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what God has designed to do, what Jesus has written himself into the story to do, is not just to become one of us so that, he could, so that we could know him, and not just to become one of us so that we could know that he knows what it's like to be us. He's written himself in a story because he was taking responsibility for the things that you and I have done that are a deep offense to him and of deep injury to others. The word sin... We don't use it that much anymore unless we're talking about eating too much chocolate cake. But the word sin is a really important word. It simply means to miss the mark. You and I as human beings are made to do two things really well consistently and never, never miss the mark on them, and that is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbors, that means our crazy family members, as ourselves. And we miss the mark all the time. And what Jesus has done is he's come into the world and he's written himself into the storyline because he was taking responsibility for the consequences for the things that we have done. He was going to take away the sin of the world and that's exactly what he's done for you and me. Why? Because the one thing that stood in the way of us having a relationship with God wasn't our knowing about God. It was our sin. And he took it away by giving his life for us on a cross. That's how much Jesus cares about you. That's how much Jesus cares about me. He came into the world because he wants a relationship with you and me. To the extent that he's willing to give his life for that relationship. In just a few moments, we're going to sing one of my favorite hymns together, Christmas hymns, O Holy Night. And there's this line that I want you to pay attention to. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. As you behold Jesus tonight with us, it's my prayer, it's our hope that you would behold your worth, your soul's worth, how much Jesus wants you to know him. Because he knows the only thing that can actually fully satisfy your heart, the only thing that can actually put us back together, and the only thing that can give us the full healing that we need as human beings is a relationship with him. And he's gotten everything out of the way that we could have that relationship. Will you behold Jesus and receive him and what he's done for you? I'm gonna pray for us. The team's gonna come up. We're gonna sing this song together. Would you stand, actually, as I pray? Again, Holy Spirit, uh, there's so many things that we could be thinking about right now. 
and miss the most important thing that you're pointing to us. The beauty, the power, the goodness, the strength of Jesus and the worth of our souls. That you would send him to bring us back in relationship with you. As we sing of that holy night, may we remember that tonight is a holy night to you. As we remember Jesus, see him together, worship him together, receive him together. In Jesus' name.